Well, 21 years ago today, I was scanning documents into a computer, uh, working part-time at the South Carolina Employment Security Commission. And uh, back then, only a few people in the office had internet on their computers. You may remember us before, smartphones and things like that. And usually the office managers had the, have the internet on their computers, because would, they would always tell me what they were surfing and wasting time doing on the internet when I didn't have that on mine. But, uh, anyway, I remember hearing a few coworkers uh, just talking about a plane that had crashed into one of the towers. And at first, the rumors were that it was some kind of prop plane, a little Cessna or something like that, because you know, there really wasn't a lot of video of that first one. And then it happened again, and everyone in the office kind of got worried and confused. And, and uh, you know, you stop, stop working and, and start talking about what in the world is happening and this and that. And, then the coworker told me, well, they think it's terrorism. And you're thinking, what? Terrorism? What? And then a plane hit the Pentagon, and at that point, if you weren't scared, at that point, you, you, you were. And a lot of our country was in a panic. And as reality set in over the next few days, if you lived through it, you may remember, that fear kind of gradually turned into courage. It kind of turned into resolve, and it, and it turned into a unifying thing with our country. And our country became, probably for the first time in a long time and the first time since, really, uh, very united. The entire country was on the same page with the same goals, with the same desires. Our country were, was united in love for each other. Love for the victims, love for the victims' families, and a resolve that we would bring justice to those who did what they did. Love is a powerful thing when put into action. Amen. The Bible has a lot to say about love. The Bible has a lot to say about why we should specifically love others. And that's what we're looking at today in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Paul says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all else, all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Heavenly Father, we come to you this day, around this time, 21 years ago, we were witnessing uh, the events that unfolded on 9-11. And so, Father, as we worship you today, we do think about that, and we'll hear about it all day on the news media, and it's a good reminder 
of what happened that we should never forget of it. That we are thankful to live in a nation that is free, freer than most all other nations on the face of the planet. So we thank you for that privilege. We thank you for uh, that blessing, being able to live here and for many of us to be born here. Now that anything we did, we didn't ask to be born here, but in your providence you allowed us to, and we thank you for that. So Father, as we look at this passage today that shows us why we should love others, we might think we know why, but remind us today, Lord, and maybe we'll learn something also about why we should love others. So when we have those things happen in our lives where we are tempted to not love another, you will jog our memory, you will remind us of why we should love them. Father, I pray that your words are mine today, that you speak through me and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want to give us today three reasons, three reasons why we should love others. Number one, we love because we're loved. We love because we're loved. This message today is sort of a to be continued or a sequel from last week's, but if you didn't hear it, that's okay. Because last week Paul talked about taking off the metaphorical clothes of the old person, taking off the, the habits and the lifestyles of the old person. And he used the metaphor of taking off old, ragged, dirty, torn clothes. So if you take those clothes off, then what do you put on? You can't just walk around without any clothes. I wouldn't suggest it. What do you put on instead? Well, when you love Jesus, it's not just enough to quit certain behaviors. You have to replace them with God-loving behaviors. See, the behaviors will always be there, so you have to replace them with something else. We must put on the, the clothes of righteousness. Any habit is like that. That's why when my father-in-law years ago, uh, when he quit smoking years ago, he replaced it with eating, right? So the behaviors are always there. We have to replace it with something else, and we need to replace it with something good. So he tells us here, verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. The Bible here, first of all, calls us chosen ones. Chosen ones. And what does that mean? What it means to be picked out. Now, when I read this, I thought to myself, picked out, kind of like if you're going to the supermarket and you're trying to find the best apples and you, and you pick out some of the good apples and you leave the bad apples. And I thought, wow, that's a weird way of, of saying he saved us, like he's picked us out like apples. But it's not really what it's referring to. It's, it's referring to plucking us out, picking us out of the jaws of hell. Choosing us out of a certain spiritual death. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he defeated sin. He defeated death, and he snatched us out of a hell and a judgment. Chosen is, is another way of saying that, 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 that the chosen ones are those who have salvation through Jesus Christ. So that's what he's saying. I've, I've saved you. You're my chosen one. I've picked you out God loved us so much, however, that he only, not only did he pluck us from a certain spiritual death, he, he saves us, but he also changes us. He saves us, 
but he changed us. And so when we, we change our spiritual clothes from earthly things to godly things. And so Paul names what those behaviors should be. He says, quit living like this, which we looked at last week, and now here is how you live. You have been saved. You've been plucked out of the, the, the snares of death and hell. And so now you have a new outfit, and this is what it looks like. Here's a checklist to make sure you're wearing the right garment. Right? Compassion. He says, be a person of compassion. This means what you think it means. It means to be concerned for others, to be compassionate for others. Right? You become compassionate because of what others are going through. And most others, people, when they're going through hard times, you've probably been there before, so you can't empathize. But even if you haven't, you can be compassionate because we're called to do so. So when someone's having a tough day, you don't add on to the pile. You don't pile on, you give them compassion. Secondly, he says to be kind. To be kind. What does that mean? We can understand. We teach our children to be kind, but it basically means to be considerate of other people's feelings. Right? Be considerate of other people's feelings. Sometimes we mask this deficiency and we'll just, we say, well, I just say the truth. I just tell the truth and I'm sorry if the truth offends you. I just Speak the truth. Well, you can speak the truth in sin. You can speak the truth and not be kind. And you can speak the truth and be kind. And that's what God would have us to be. Be considerate of others' feelings as you go about your day and as you speak and talk. He says to, to be humble, humility. This is just an idea of, of being modest, not thinking too highly of oneself. Not always trying to get attention from others. That would be the lack of humility. It's, it's, it's not feeling the need to, to create some type of self-image that impresses. It's a, a humility, a humbleness. Meekness is this idea of treating people gently. Meek, we, you know, I've never really wanted to be described as meek, and maybe you haven't either. So we think that meekness is some sort of weakness, but it's not. It's a gentleness. It's, in many ways, having the power to harm someone even or, or to crush someone or to hurt someone, but not doing so, relenting. It's meek, which is why Jesus was called meek, because if anyone had the power to judge anyone, it would have been Jesus. Yet he didn't. Patience. Patience is the, the ability to accept or tolerate, delay, trouble, or suffering without getting upset or angry. Do I need to give that definition again? Let me get that definition again. <laughs> See if you're patient enough to hear it again. It's the ability to accept or tolerate, delay. Some of you have already checked that on this one, right? Trouble or suffering without getting upset or angry. I feel like our world, people in general, seem to be getting more impatient every year. Amen? seems like patience is, is, is not a virtue anymore. The virtue is, uh, is, is not tolerating whatever it is that's causing you to be impatient. That seems to be the virtue many times, but that's not the Christian virtue. It is the ability to be able to tolerate these things. These things 
uh, or how we show love to others. John mentions similarly, he says in 1 John 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love, we love because he first loved us, which is our point today. We, we love because we're loved. And we're free to love because we were loved by Christ. And when we find ourselves living in fear, when we find ourselves fearful, it's hard to love. It's hard to love. Think about this. If you were so fearful about something, let's say that you were at your house and there was a tornado coming, which some of us have experienced, right? And you were so fearful that you couldn't protect your children. You just cowered in the corner and told them, every man for themselves, the twister's coming. If you had young children, you couldn't protect them, you couldn't cover them. If you're so fearful that you couldn't protect them, that would be unloving. And you can be fearful and still love. That's called courage. But show me an unloving person, and I'll show you deep down a fearful person. Someone who's scared of something in their life, fearful of something in their life. But we don't have to be that way anymore because we've been loved by Jesus Christ. We've been loved by him, and so we have the freedom to not be fearful. Because we have been loved, we can love. So we love because we've been loved. Secondly, we love because we're forgiven. We love because we're forgiven. Verse 13, Paul says that we are bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Again, Paul says we bear with one another. This literally has the idea of tolerating one another, enduring one another. That's the word I think of sometimes when when I'm home alone with my three-year-old that I love so much. I have to endure sometimes. Because you know what? Surprise, surprise, he never quits talking. I don't know where he gets it from. He never quits talking. He never quits moving. He never quits running. Last week he was sick. He had RSV. And it felt so bad for him. And, but, you know, there were a couple of days where I was like, man, I feel refreshed because he hadn't talked in two days. Isn't that horrible to say? He just laid there and was, was pathetic. But, like, physically, mentally, I was stronger that's the weirdest thing poor little buddy but he's back to his old self today and now and sometimes you just have to endure it and so now i'm working on telling him you've said that 15 times you don't have to say it the 16th time i heard you the first 15 right it's part of growing up and learning and so we we have to endure people sometimes even people we love you know that we have to endure them why has god put this person in my life to make you more like Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> to make you more like Jesus. That's called bearing with one another. So we love them by, by enduring, by, by tolerating them. Uh, most of the time, most of the time, you just need to let people be who they are. <laughs> 
Now, we'll, get, we'll talk a little bit about how we don't turn our eyes off of sin. Well, you just need to let people be who they are. Paul says we need to forgive one another. Uh, sometimes as we're tolerating others, as we're enduring them, they'll sin against us. Then what do we do? We forgive them. So we endure all their silliness, and then what do we do? We lay the hammer down? No. Paul says we forgive. So you mean I have to endure someone? And then when they really sin against me, then I have to forgive? Yes. Listen, I'm preaching to myself too, right? I, I, this works on me all week before it comes to you. You just get 30 minutes of it. I got to deal with it all week. <laughs> forgive one another. They'll sin against us. We forgive them. The word for forgiveness comes from the Greek word charis, which means grace. So it's to overlook their offenses, to, to, to give them grace, just as Jesus has given us grace. Just as Jesus has forgiven us. Look at Luke 6, 37. Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, then you will be forgiven. Ephesians 4 says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. He didn't have to tell us to be mean to each other because we already do that. So he's got to tell us what to do right. You know, my, again, my three-year-old's going to preschool. You know, he's not there to be taught how to be mean. Right? He's not there to be taught what, how to be mean to someone. He's there to be taught what? He's there to be taught how to be kind. How to be kind, right? So... Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, this does not mean that we never rebuke others for their sin. It doesn't mean that we, we overlook sin. The Bible is clear that we should never do that. We should never overlook sin. So how do we reconcile these, these two seemingly contradictory Ideas. How, how do we reconcile these two seemingly contradictory commands? It means that most of the time, most of the time, we just need to forgive people. We endure them. We forgive them. Every now and then, we are going to need to confront them. We are going to need to rebuke them. But most of the time, it's water off a duck's back. All right? But there are going to be times where we, we have to do that. Again, it's like a child who does wrong. Most of the time, when the kid's wrong, when the child's wrong, we just kind of move on, right? Most of the time. But every now and then, we do have to lay the hammer down, right? And the hammer is God. You're not the hammer. If you have to talk to someone, it's because God's commanded you to. And you let them know, listen, the Bible tells us that we got to talk about this. We have to deal with this together we are to be the forgivers and this way of mind paul says in 14 is bound in love look at verse 14 he says it's bound in love and above all these he says put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony we can tolerate we can forgive when 
we are loving. That's when we can tolerate. That's when we can forgive. In the Greek, it says to put on the love. It uses a definite article, the, instead of a. This isn't just any love. It's the love. Right? The love that God gives you. You've heard of people say that person is the man, is the man right? They're the man or, 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 or they're the, the goat, the greatest of all time. They're the thing. This is what he's saying. Put on the love. The love that God gives you. It isn't just any love. When we're living in the love, the eternal love, the, 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 the God-given love, everything is bound together in harmony. United, joined together. And when this happens, harmony is then produced. Think of a musical piece. And I'm not a musical person, so I might say the wrong word. You have other instruments together, and, and you have people singing different parts, and it, and, it, and it just sounds wonderful. That's harmony. It's a harmonious sound, and that's what he's saying God's people should be like. It's all different parts. There's a flute player, piano player, there's alto, there's soprano. There's all these different parts coming together, a, a piano, an organist, a guitar. And when you put it together, there is harmony in God's church when you have people putting on the love. Right? Harmony is the opposite of discord. You've probably heard music before where someone plays the wrong note, right? What's that make you do? You kind of go, you're listening to it, and you go, ah, <laughs> all right? Come here. What? I wasn't expecting that. Where did that come from? just sounds out of harmony because it is. It's discord. And so God's people are not to be a bunch of people where every now and then we hear, more often than not, a bad note. Because if you hear too many bad notes, you're not going to stick around. I'm going to turn the song off. <laughs> I'm going to change the song. I'm going to go somewhere else and listen to something else. Harmony is the opposite of discord. It's the opposite of strife. When there is toleration, when there is forgiving love, there is harmony. Where there's no tolerance, where there's no forgiveness, there's strife, there's discord. But Jesus says we love and we forgive others because we're loved and we're forgiven. Praise the Lord after our first wrong note and subsequent wrong notes every day of our life. God isn't getting tired of us. I mean, I'm like a juice harp that's broken, right? He, he, should, have thrown, that's what, he should have thrown that away a long time ago. We love and forgive others because we are loved. We are forgiven. And finally, number three, we love because we're called. We love because... We're called. Verse 15, he says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Rule means to govern. It means to steer. So we let the peace of Jesus rule. We let it govern our lives. We let it steer our lives. We don't let our emotions govern our lives. Can you imagine if we made every decision based on our emotions? Maybe you do. How's that going for you? We let the peace of Jesus rule our lives. We let the peace of Jesus steer 
our lives. This idea of ruling has the idea of an umpire or referee making a ruling. And when the referee makes a ruling, it's final. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. When they say what they say and they make their ruling, it is final. And so when Christ rules in our hearts, it is final. It is the final say. This is what we've been called to do. And then it says that we are to, to give thanks. We're to be thankful that we've been called to love others. Did you know that part of your calling is to love people? This is why God saved you. This is why when God saves you, he doesn't just take you on to heaven right away. That's why he leaves us here. One reason he's called us to love others. If we're not loving other people, if we're not loving the world, then who will? Who is going to be doing that? No one. Because no one else has the heart of God. No one else has the heart of Christ but God's people. So we are to love others. John 15, 16 says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Again, you have been plucked and appointed so you should go and love others. 2 Thessalonians 2 says this, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Loving others, clearly right here tells us, is your calling. What's God called me to do? I don't know. What's God called me to do? I'm praying about it. Well, I'll tell you what he's called to do. He's called you to love others. Tells you right here. You got that part down. Love Others is your calling. And the secret to loving is found in the last verse here. And Terry kind of mentioned this today. What she says, in, he says in verse 16. The secret of loving is found here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, when God's word is in our heart, then, then we can love. Then we can love and then we can teach and we can admonish one another because then we have the wisdom. And he even says the more that God's word dwells in us, the more we can sing. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's hard to sing without the love of Jesus. Amen. But as God's word works on our heart, we love Jesus more, then we can sing. We can sing the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, spoken or action, everything you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If 9-11 happened again, horribly something like that happened again, would people see you and your reaction to that? Would they see you reacting in the name of the Lord Jesus? You know, 9-11, nothing like that will ever happen again. Or 3,000 people die in one day. But you know, people die every day. People lose loved ones. They lose friends. They 
And sometimes suddenly, sometimes not suddenly. People suffer, they lose jobs. Every single day, someone has their own 9-11 in their lives. Their own personal one. What do they see when they come across you? Do they see someone who loves because they're loved? Do they see someone who forgives because they've been forgiven? Do they see someone who loves because they're called to? Do they see a Christian? Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you so much for what you've given us in Christ Jesus. And as we go about our day today, we, we thank you. But even on the worst days, you're still on your throne. Even on the worst days, you are still with us. And even on the worst days, Lord, we are still called to love. Lord, we thank you for those that love us on our worst days. We thank you for those who, who show us forgiveness. We thank you for those who tolerate us and endure us because you've forgiven them. Lord, as we close our time together today, we pray that we will continue to let your word dwell in us, you continue to work through us, and you make us strong, healthy Christians who are humble and meek, but we have that strength under power. And Lord, in that strength is you, and that strength to forgive and endure, Lord, that's where the strength comes from. We pray that you give it to us, that people will see it in our lives. Father, if there's one here that never placed their faith in you, that they would do so today. They would experience your love and your forgiveness. They would, they would understand that, that when you went to the cross and shed your blood for them, that you purchased eternal life for them and forgiveness of sins. And through your death, through your burial and resurrection, you have offered them eternal life. Lord, we pray they will make that decision today. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.